Welcome to the Redeeming Productivity Show. This is the podcast where we help Christians get more done and get it done like Christians. I am your host, Reagan Rose. Thank you uh, to everybody who emailed me this week. I, if you ever want to reach out to me, you can hit me up at reagan at redeemingproductivity.com. That's R-E-A-G-A-N at redeemingproductivity.com. Always appreciate the feedback, uh, the encouraging notes, even the uh, constructive criticism, all of that. I just want to do better at this. So any help I can get, I will take. And it's always nice to know that um, the effort that I'm putting into this is helping some people because that's really the only reason I'm doing it. I want to talk about something that has been on my mind a lot in the last couple weeks. If you listen to the last episode, I had Nate Pickowicz on. And part of what we talked about was the topic of how Christians use social media. And so that's something I've been thinking about a lot. And even just how Christians communicate in general online. And so I wanted to pull together some thoughts and some passages from Scripture and talk about communication for a moment. You know, businesses fail for want of a good communication strategy. Relationships flounder because of miscommunication. And how many friendships from the past can we think of that have grown cold because of a lack of communication? We just simply lose touch. And communication is just a massive part of, of everyday life. And it's specifically important for believers. You think of all the scriptural commands. I mean, first of all, you start with God, who is a God who speaks, right? He is a God who has not um, shown himself in a, in a vision to us, as it were, right? So you think in, in Exodus and God revealing himself to the people. It was in a cloud with great thunder and, and he spoke, right? And then he is revealed to us through his word. That's how he's revealed to himself. And even Christ, who's the word made flesh, is the revelation of God. But how we as Christians hear from God is through his word. How we speak to God is through prayer, communication, right? And even you think about us just as Christians. So much of the Christian life is made up of communication to one another. And speaking of one another, you have all the one another commands of scripture, right? So you have these passages that tell us how Christians are to interact with other Christians. They're everywhere. We're to love each other. Um, we're to build one another up. But think about these. I'll, I'll list just a few of them. There's tons of these in the New Testament. But let me just list some that have to do with communication as Christians and how, how foundational that is to the Christian life. Christians are to build one another up. We're to admonish one another. We're to bear one another's burdens. It's Galatians 6.2. Um, right? So we do it through communication. What's going on in your life? Um, let, me, let me help come alongside you, support you in that um, thing you're going through. We forgive one another. That needs to be done verbally. We speak the truth in love. How do you speak the truth if you don't communicate? Uh, we uh, are to be kind and compassionate to one another. That's Ephesians 4.32. Teach one another. Comfort one another. Right, That can happen through a hug or a hand on the shoulder, but a lot of times through communication. You know, I'm, I'm praying for you. I wanted, How are you doing? That's how we comfort each other. Encourage one another. Right, All of that is done through communication. Uh, there's many more. Exhort one another, Hebrews 3.13. Pray for one another, James 5.16. The bottom line is it comes down to communication. So much of the Christian life is about communication. Okay? Have I proven the point? <laughs> I hope so. And so lately, like I said, I've been thinking about communication online. How, how are Christians to behave on the internet? 
Uh, and that's the title of this podcast, How to Behave Like a Christian on the Internet. And it all has to do with how we communicate. Now, I think if anything, I have been guilty of writing off a lot of online um, communication uh, forums as kind of a lost cause, right? So if you've known me long, I've probably said Twitter is a cesspool more than once to you, uh, or, or things like you should never read the comments, right? Or, you know, the, the crazy stuff you see on, on YouTube in response to videos, <laughs> And even Facebook, a lot of these places, most of the time, I'm a lurker. I'm just reading what other people say. I don't say much because I've had this attitude of, well, it's all kind of bad. You know, it's just a bunch of junk out there. So why join in? Just, you know, I'll just stand back and watch. But lately, I've been thinking about it and I've thought, you know, what if... What if believers, instead of being part of the problem, which a lot of us are, I mean, I've done it too, where you just kind of throw stuff out there on the internet, you, you, cause, you stir up strife and things like that, you, you vent about something that, you, that you're thinking about, and you basically are part of making the internet a bad place. What if instead of that, or instead of swearing it off entirely, what if Christians endeavored to be a light for Christ on these platforms? What if we use social media and the internet and comments even, even places you wouldn't normally go, what if we use those to represent what Christian's speech is supposed to look like? Well, what, wouldn't that be amazing? I read uh, Dustin Benge, at Dustin Benge, he's a, um, a prolific Christian Twitter user. Nate uh, Pickwick's mentioned him in last week's podcast several times. They're, they've co-written a book together. But he, he tweeted out last, uh, I guess it was a couple weeks ago now, December 6th. He said, there are 300 million monthly active Twitter users and 100 million daily active Twitter users. Are you using this platform to argue, virtue signal, and discern everybody else's words or for gospel advance? Christian, we have a tremendous responsibility. And so Dustin, like Nate had mentioned last week, is a, a guy who I think is using social media right. He's using it as a ministry tool. And I think that that's a really important thing he said. We have a tremendous responsibility in how we use social media. And so I think there, there's a dual admonition there, right? There, on the one hand, if you're using it wrongly, if you're just, you know, being angry and fighting people on the internet and being unloving, unkind, and not generally just not acting like a Christian on the internet, so okay, yeah, you have a tremendous responsibility. You gotta, you gotta curb that attitude. But for me, the thing I was thinking is, man, I am, I, I've put the pendulum too far the other way, where I just assume there's nothing good you can do with it. So I'm just not going to say that much. Here and there, I'll say stuff, but I just won't say that much. And so I've kind of hitherto used uh, social media mostly just as an avenue to kind of promote what I'm doing with the, the podcast and the blogs and stuff and share family things. And that's fine. But thinking about this more, I'm thinking, man, we should be using the Internet as a ministry tool. So here's how it intersects with, with Christian productivity. Lord willing, I want my life to count for something on the eternal timeline, right? That, that's why I care about how I steward my time and my effort and my energies. And that's why I care about my work. And an area of stewardship, which I haven't really thought that much about until recently, is my online presence with social media and, and other things like that. 
I want to, of course, minister in my local church. I want to, I want to take advantage of those opportunities. But as long as the Lord gives me opportunity, I want to take advantage of the internet. So let me paint a picture for you. What if, what if believers began to have a more intentional approach to how we communicated on the internet? What would that look like? What would it look like if instead of those places being a cesspool where you've got either nobody's saying much of anything positive and it's just a bunch of uh, people virtue signaling, as Dustin said, or um, just stirring up divisions and stuff who are going under the name of Christian. What if it went from that and instead you just had people who were acting like believers, who were lighting a candle in that darkness, who were speaking the truth, but they were actually speaking it in love? Um, what would that look like? Wouldn't that be cool? If we could, if we could utilize these platforms to really bear witness for Christ, um, just even our own little sphere. And so I was thinking, yeah, literally, what would that look like? Like how, how would we go about doing that? Well, the more I've thought about it, the more I said, okay, what are some principles that would drive a Christian's communication online? What would that what, what would I do to make sure I was communicating correctly online? And I was racking my brain and then it hit me because I'm just dumb is it's obvious. The same principles that drive our real life communication should characterize our communication on the internet. So what I'm thinking is just like a company, like a marketing department has principles that guide their communications to stay on brand. What are the principles that should guide Christians' communications, whether it's in real life or on the internet. So what follows here are some principles of Christian communication so that we can behave like Christians on the internet. And these are going to come from scripture. So principles of Christian communication so we can behave like believers on the internet. Number one, and this is the foundation of all of it, it begins with the heart. It begins with the heart. Our communication on the internet, it needs to begin with the heart. In Matthew 12, 33 through 35, this is our Lord speaking. He says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. So here's the thing. Where, where, where does it begin with our communication online? It begins with our hearts. It begins with our hearts. The key point in there is out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And now I, let me speak bluntly here. I am convinced that many of the terrible things you see people who are, who are calling themselves Christians, many of the terrible things you see them doing on the internet, there's people I can think of right now that have ministries, but all they do is slander people and talk about gossip in the evangelical world. And you have to wonder, based on our Lord's words, what's going on in their hearts? What is going on in their hearts when it's all just cynical, tearing down, awful stuff? What is that? Are they believers? I, I can't know, but according to my, my Lord's words, they're not giving evidence of that. And that is a major problem. 
Um, so of course, sometimes Christians operate out of the flesh and they shouldn't do that. Um, but man, if, if what you're doing online, it looks like it comes from, if, if it's evil, if it's bad, if it's wicked, if it's sinful, that's not coming from a life controlled by the Holy Spirit. It's coming from somewhere else. And you know, the same principle that Jesus is talking about, about how our speech, our communication uh, is something that comes from our heart. This is picked up on by James in James uh, chapter three. Um, you know, the whole section that talks about this tongue is a fire um, and it can't be tamed and all of that. Uh, near the end of that section in verse um, eight and through 12, he talks about this very same principle about how our speech is something that comes from within us. Uh, it, it comes from our heart. He says in verse, uh, this is James chapter three, verse eight and following, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and father and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Well, neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. And the principle there is clear. You go into church and you praise God. You sing these worship songs to him. And then you go out and you get online and you just rip someone to shreds. Same mouth, same heart. That shouldn't be so, is what he's saying. It, it, uh, and the reason is, he gives it at the end, is uh, a freshwater pond can't yield salt water. It shouldn't be mixed. It shouldn't be brackish, um, our speech, because it's coming from the same source. There's something wrong if we have these mixed speech as Christians, where we're, sometimes we're talking like Christians and sometimes we're not. It's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. So I'm convinced that, that many of the stuff you see online from professed Christians, there, there are people, I can think of people right now um, that have a social media presence that the only thing they ever do is gossip about people or um, slander people or just say awful stuff. They just seem so bitter and that's all they do, but they do it under the banner of Christ and they say, oh yeah, you know, they might call them, they might say that they're doing it uh, because they care so much about the truth or, you know, it's a matter of discernment or something, but the way they're going about it looks nothing like a Christian. It doesn't. And it makes you wonder. Now, I don't know their heart. I can't look at their heart. But what Jesus says is what is evident is the fruit. That's what shows what the heart is like. And so I wonder for these people, um, what is going on with your heart? And so it begins with the heart. And you need to have a heart that has been transformed by Jesus Christ and is under the control of the Holy Spirit. That will change the way you speak. You're familiar with uh, Galatians 5 and the fruit of the Spirit. Well, you know, right next to that is a list of kind of the anti-fruit of the Spirit, which is uh, Paul calls the deeds of the flesh. He says they're evident. And he lists things like sexual morality and uh, impurity. But a lot of the things he talks about are what I would call communication sins, uh, sins of the mouth, sins of the ways that we communicate. And you see which of your favorite social media platforms this list of deeds of the flesh sounds like. Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy. 
It's to me, it sounds. I'm an, I'm I'm active on Twitter. That sounds like Twitter to me. It does. Dissensions, jealousy, envy, rivalries, fits of anger, uh, a tweet storm. <laughs> Man, it's not good. And 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 what I'm talking about is professing Christians whose entire online presence is simply an illustration of those deeds of the flesh. That's wrong. It's sin, brothers and sisters. It's sin. We have to not do this. And the way to change is a matter of the heart. Uh, because, look, let's contrast it with what Paul says about the fruit of the Spirit. So the, the opposite of the deeds of the flesh uh, is the fruit of the Spirit. And many of these have a communication, a speaking component to them. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. What would a social media presence look like that was characterized by love? By joy, not cynicism or bitterness or looking for the bad and everything or complaining all the time. Peace, that'd be nice. Patience, how many of these stupid things could be avoided if people were just patient? Kindness, who were good to each other, who were faithful, who were gentle, or best of all, self-control. You just didn't fire off that mean thing you were going to say online. Imagine a Facebook profile or an Instagram feed or a Twitter feed that looked like that. Imagine if we were believers whose online presence was characterized by the fruit of the Spirit and not by the deeds of the flesh. What a ministry that could be. What a ministry you could have through social media or through the comments thread on your local newspaper's website or on uh, nextdoor.com, that social media platform for neighbors, which is has a bad reputation for being just a place for gossips and busybodies. What if you went there and you spoke? You didn't just keep silent, but you spoke and you acted like a Christian. What a great opportunity we have to utilize the common grace of the internet, of social media, of all these different communication tools the Lord's given us and utilize them in a way where we actually act like ambassadors of Christ. That would be really cool. So the first thing that needs to happen if we're going to communicate like Christians on the internet is we need to ensure that we really are Christians, right? So we need to have a new heart. Uh, So when Jesus says from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, the first thing is, do you have a new heart? Do you act this way under the banner of Christ? Uh, And really the, the reason that you act so poorly is because you don't know him. You might call yourself a Christian, but have you repented of your sin and put your trust in Jesus Christ? Have you trusted in his righteousness to make you right before God and thereby had him give you a new heart, a heart of flesh and removed your heart of stone? If not, this is all hopeless. I mean, if you're just taking this advice and talking behavior modification, yeah, that's, you can do that. Just modify your behavior, but that's not, that's not helpful. No, what you need is a new heart and your speech will change with that. But let's say you do know Christ. Let's say that you have trusted in him as your savior and you do have his Holy Spirit dwelling within you. What's going on then? Well, you're not living a life that's controlled by the spirit, are you? You're not living yielded to Christ. You're not living, you're living from the flesh still. And you need to, you need to repent of that as sin. If you're just a cynic, a a bitter cynic, and you're calling yourself a Christian and your bitter cynicism is what pours out of your mouth online, dude, That's not right. Repent of that. Where is the joy in your social media presence? Right? Where's the thankfulness? Where's the, where's the gentleness? Where's the self-control? 
if no one's seeing that, something's wrong with your heart. And you need to pray and ask for the Lord's help to get that right. So starting from that, it starts with the heart. It begins with the heart. And so that's the first, and that's the primary thing. That's, that is the fountainhead of um, communication. So you got to get that right if you're going to utilize um, social media and your internet presence to actually behave like a Christian on the internet. But then after that, and I'm going to give you some practical stuff, and this also comes from scripture, and these would all fall under the heading of think before you tweet or whatever your um, platform of choice is. I get the impression that some people just type stuff up and just send it out there right into the, the wind, and they're not pausing to reflect on it. They're not thinking about it. They're not really, they don't have any strategy or goal in mind with how they're using their social media or online presence to represent Christ. But we should have a goal. And this is kind of my argument is once you get the heart right, now let's start thinking about how can we strategically um, use our online presences to glorify God, not just to be there because it's something people are, are on, but to actually utilize it well. We need to be trying to do something when we communicate on the internet. It's not just it's not just something we do kind of passively. It's something we're actively trying to use. Um, we need to be thinking this. And here's the main question. How can I be the aroma of Christ on this platform today? Before you tweet, before you post on Facebook, before you put something on your Instagram, before you comment on that thread, before you respond to that YouTube thing, how can I be the aroma of Christ today? And so here's some specific questions to ask yourself so that you can think before you tweet. Number one is, does this represent Christ? 2 Corinthians 5.20 says that we are Christ's ambassadors. Isn't that exactly what an ambassador does? You think about an ambassador for a foreign nation or for a, for a king, which is more analogous to us, is he's a representative you, in your real life, at your work, um, with your neighbors, with your family, you should recognize that. You're representing Christ to them. And this is no less true than when you are using um, the internet and when you're on social media. You're Christ's ambassador. So think about that. Before you send something, before you respond to something, before you post that news article with all your outrage, ask yourself, does this represent Christ, what I'm about to say? Second, ask yourself, is this true? Is what I'm about to post true? Exodus 20 verse 16 is the commandment which says not to bear false witness. So is the thing I'm about to say true? Did I stretch the truth a little bit in this? Do I know that the thing I'm about to share is true or false? Ask yourself, is this true? And if you're not sure, don't say it. Because the the opposite, that's the negative, um, don't bear false witness. But the opposite is Ephesians 4, 15, which says that we're to speak the truth in love. And so here's the positive command. And this is how we can utilize social media well, is to think about, I want to post true things. I want to post scripture, or I want to post, I want to make statements which are, which are in line with scripture. So I want to post truth and I want to do it in a loving way. Uh, and, I, and I actually, I tweeted something about this this past week, about Ephesians 4.15, that has to do with the topic of being discerning and pointing out error 
while still being loving. And I just said this, I said, you can be kind to people you disagree with without yielding an inch on your position. Truth and love are not opposite ends of a spectrum. Their union in our speech is the mandate of scripture. And then I reference Ephesians 4.15, speaking the truth in love. And my point in saying that was simply that some people, for some reason, think it's either one way or the other. Either you need to not be firm on the truth that you affirm. You need to not be firm in the, in, what am I trying to say? People think it has to be one way or the other. Either you state the boldly, the claims of scripture and you hold up the flag for Christ online, or you're this really loving mushy mush person who I would never want to offend anybody. No, both of those are wrong. To be the blunt jerk online that's stating truth is you're, do, you're saying something that's true, but you're doing it in an unchristlike way. Likewise, to be the mushy, mush lovey person who's saying, oh, I'm being kind, but I'm never going to speak a word of truth, you equally are wrong because you're refusing to actually stand for what is true. You can do both, and it's not optional was my point. Speak the truth, but do it in a loving way. And so point two specifically is on the first part of that is, is this true? Third, is this wholesome? And now I don't mean it, it, my little pony or something like that. <laughs> wholesome fun for the whole family. Part of this complete breakfast. Now I, I mean Ephesians 4.29. It says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear it. Is what I'm about to say, is it corrupting talk? Is it corrosive? Is it just mean and bitter and unchristlike? Or is what I'm doing positive? Is it is it wholesome in the sense that it will edify others? Or it will proclaim Christ to unbelievers? Will it build up those Christians who um, are seeing what I'm saying? And will it witness to Christ to those who don't know him yet? Is what I'm about to say wholesome? Number four. Before you send that social media post off, ask yourself this, is this coming from a heart of thankfulness? Now, I don't mean that the entire stream of everything you say online has to be, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm talking about a heart attitude here. Um, maybe it helps to put it in the negative first. Philippians 2.14 says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. Right? So the opposite of thankfulness is grumbling or complaining, right? You're not thankful for what you have. You are complaining about it. And so the, the reason I point this one out, is it coming from a heart of thankfulness is because a lot of people's online presence, uh, and, and a great way to get people to follow you and, um, comment on what you're saying is to just be really bitter and complaining. You know, it's just you're venting your anger, your frustration, your bitterness there. And I see believers do this too. And this shouldn't be the case. We need to do all things without grumbling or disputing. And so the way the antidote to that grumbling, complaining, cynical attitude is a heart of thankfulness. First Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances. Okay, so something bad happened to you. And, and your first response is to run to the internet and tell people about it on your social media feeds. No, don't, don't do that in a complaining way. You, you can do that in a thankful way. Uh, I'm glad, glad the Lord is growing me through trials, right? And, uh, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And so that heart attitude of thankfulness, that needs to characterize our communication. That needs to characterize it. We're not grumbling. We're not complaining. We're giving thanks in everything.
Number five, ask yourself before you fire off that Facebook message, is this gossip or slander? So this is related to number two, which is, is this true? But specifically, is what I'm about to say gossip or slander? Maybe you don't know if it's true or not. Maybe you heard it from somebody and you think it might be true, um, but it's just tearing someone down. Or it maybe what you're saying you know isn't true and you just want to tear someone down. You want to slander them. Don't do that. <laughs> it's so bad. But we're all tempted to do that, aren't we? You feel like that that sense of right before you send it, oh, it feels so good to just rip, the, rip into this person because I don't like them. Don't do that. First Timothy 5.13. He talks about, Paul's talking to Timothy, and he's talking about these people who have learned to be idlers, he said, going about from house to house, and not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies, saying what they should not. And so he's talking about these people who have nothing to do. They're not, they don't have themselves occupied with fruitful labor, and so what they do is they just wander around uh, to people's houses, and they say, hey, what's going on? What's the scuttlebutt? What's the HG? What's the hot gossip? You know, and, and that's all they do is they just idle about and talk about people behind their backs. And you maybe have people at work that do this. Maybe you do this at work. Maybe you do this at your church, you little sinner. <laughs> we do this though. And I know I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of this too. And it's something I'm constantly repenting of and trying to get better at is gossip. Why is gossip attractive? Why do we like it? We like to gossip because it's um, it's a safe way to have a relationship with another person. What do I mean by that? It's false intimacy. It's false intimacy. You see, when you when you have a deep relationship with someone, they know things that are deep and personal um, about you. But what you can do with gossip is you can have that relationship with somebody where you're talking about deep, important things but they're not your thing. So you're still safe. You're just talking about Mary Sue over there. And so you're talking about these, these things that friends would talk about, you know, things you're struggling with or issues you're having, but you're talking about someone else's issues. So you still get to have that sense of talking about private intimate matters with someone, but you are not vulnerable. And that's bad. That's bad. We shouldn't be gossiping about people. Because it tears them down, it rips them apart. We're we're devouring one another, it says in Galatians 6. This shouldn't be the case among believers. And so that our speech on the internet should not be characterized by gossip or slander. And that includes, I will say this right here, right now, that includes sharing out slanderous gossiping articles by so-called discernment websites. I it grinds my gears to no end. How many people that I see online that I respect and I trust and I believe them to be firm believers and then they share stuff by slanderous, awful, patooey, I just spit, websites that, that all they do is, is they, they call them, they say they're practicing discernment, but all they do is slander people. That's wrong. It's sin. It is sin to slander people. It is one of the things that Paul says characterizes hellbound sinners. It characterizes unbelievers, gossip and slander. And we have these ostensibly quote unquote Christian websites that do that. And then you go and share their stuff. I don't care if the thing in that one article is true. Don't do it. Leave it alone. Stay away from those. Don't read those articles and don't share them. Is this gossip or slander I'm about to share? Then don't do it. Whether that be your own statement or a news story or whatever. Number six is, does this need to be said at all? 
this is an excellent question to ask yourself is, you know, you're thinking about how you speak online, how, how the um, communication of a Christian should be characterized. Often, the best thing to do is not to say anything. Now, I know that the part of what I'm arguing for here is that Christians should have a uh, intentional and um, purposeful communication strategy for how they speak on the internet, that we shouldn't just be totally silent, but we should think about how we can best represent Christ on the internet. Um, and, but part of that oftentimes is, does this specific thing I'm about to say, does it need to be said at all? It's so much better so many times to just hold your tongue. I said earlier this week on, on Twitter, I had a tweet cause I'd been thinking about this. I said, there's nothing more profound than to say nothing when nothing needs to be said. You know, we're always thinking about how can I have a good little quip or a good little statement to this? Well, if you want to be really profound, just hold your tongue because very few people are able to do that. Just don't have, you don't need to have an opinion on everything. You really don't. You really don't need to have an opinion on everything. It says in James 1.19, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Take your time. You don't need to have a hot take right now. In fact, that's number seven. So does this need to be said at all is number six. And number seven is, does it need to be said right now? You don't need to have a hot take on everything as it happens. Every news story, everything you hear about, a quick response and all that. You don't need to. Just keep it to yourself. You don't need to have an opinion on everything. Some things don't need to be said. I'll give you an example. There is a famous musician who recently has professed faith in Jesus Christ. And everybody has been abuzz about, is it genuine? Is it real? Is he, is he really? I don't think it's real and all that and having an opinion on it. Can I tell you my opinion on this? Here is my unvarnished take on the situation with, is Kanye West a Christian or not? I'm still here. That was my take. I don't know. And I don't need to tell anybody what I think about it. I, I have an opinion and I'm keeping it to myself because I want to be quick to listen. I want to, I want to see the fruit. I want to hear what's happening with that, but I, I don't know what, well, and I don't need to tell anybody what I think about it. I can keep that to myself. Does it need to be said? Does it need to be said right now? You don't need to. Back to Ephesians 4.29, I think I mentioned this one already. He said, that, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Yeah, I was talking about number three with, is it wholesome? Well, he said in there, he says, as fits the occasion, uh, but only, so only speak such as is good for building up and as fits the occasion. This has to do with the timeliness of it. The, I, 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 something may be true and it may be accurate and it may need to be said, but sometimes it doesn't need to be said right now. Right. You think about this with, I think the worst exemplars of this are the news media, right? They have a vested interest in making their opinions and their thoughts on a breaking news story known right away. Um, so every time some brand new thing comes out, I think specifically of, you know, when there's like a shooting, they always, if you watch like the early coverage of it, they're always so wrong. It's like unbelievable. 
Um, you know, they'll always say, yeah, we think there was five shooters and they were all whatever. And, and they're always wrong. And you come back 30 minutes later and now they actually know the facts. Like, what was all that? That was them just speaking when it didn't fit the occasion. There was, they didn't need to say it right now because they didn't know. But I see this with some Christians too, where you, you'll maybe say, hey, I, I don't know that you needed to say that right then. And they'll say, well, was it not true? Hey, friendo, as fits the occasion, as fits the occasion, the only criteria for judging whether something should be said or not is the only criteria is not, is it true or is it false? Something can be true, but it's not the right time to say it. That's what Paul is saying in Ephesians 4. And you need to learn to have the wisdom to know whether you should say something now or maybe wait a little bit. Let it, let it ruminate in your mind and give a little opportunity for um, there there'd be a better time to say it. So does it need to be said? Does it need to be said right now? So that's kind of seven principles um, for how to think before you tweet. Think about it before you actually send it. And listen, I am not putting myself out there as the example of this. I have done everything wrong you could think that you could do wrong with um, how, I'm act- how I've acted on social media. And, and my latest thing that I, I realize I've been doing wrong is just not using it at all uh, and thinking of it, not thinking of it as a ministry. And so, yes, I've been guilty of these things, and I, but I don't want to swear it off. I want to use my internet presence as a ministry tool. I want to steward that like I steward everything else that the Lord has entrusted me for his glory. I want to bring him glory. I want to edify the church and I want to reach people with, for Christ with how I talk online. So now I'm starting to see this as opportunities. And these are just some of the principles that I've been thinking about to guide how I want to have my online presence be so that I can have this as a ministry and not just as something I happen to do. So, yeah, certainly the internet uh, with how we communicate on there is is fraught with temptations and to sin verbally, um, but it's an opportunity. And so let's make the most of this opportunity uh, to make Christ known through gospel proclamation, through edifying people in the church, and through demonstrating what it looks like to speak the truth in love. And, and, and let me just finish with just painting a picture for you. Imagine what it would look like. If all of us, or just a few of us, were much more thoughtful and strategic about how we speak online, that, that we saw it as a ministry and not simply as something unrelated to our Christian walk. Wow, what a cool thing that could be to, to bring light to dark places, to, to these places like I've called them cesspools of the internet, to actually be someone who, who speaks up and says, a timely word that's fitting. I, I, I just can imagine what an, what a cool thing that would be. Even in places that, you know, we've all kind of sworn off, like the comment sections on articles. What if we just showed up and said, said something that was helpful and thoughtful and Christ honoring? I think that'd be really cool. And I think that it's an opportunity for us to, to steward our lives better in an area that sometimes we kind of think of as outside of, uh, who we are as Christians. We can do better, ladies and gentlemen. We really can. And Christ uh, Christ deserves us to do better. So let's go for it. Let's try to learn and, and let's help each other how to behave more like Christians on the internet. 
Well, that's all I have for you this week. I hope that something in here has been helpful for you. You again, you can reach out to me at Reagan at redeemingproductivity.com. You can look up Redeeming Productivity on all the major uh, social media platforms. If you want to follow me on Twitter, where I'm trying to put into practice the very things I talked about today, you can follow me at, at Reagan T. Rose. That's at Reagan T. Rose on Twitter. And I will catch you here next week. But until then, in whatever you do, do it well and do it all to the glory of God.